Welcome! This is the CGMI Living Springs Gospel Podcast. Stay tuned as you listen to the Word of God. Good evening and welcome to Thursday Fix. It was nice seeing a couple of faces on Sunday. Hopefully we can get to see more this coming Sunday. Um... I will not waste much time. Let's get to the business of the day. Last week, we started a series on how to be led by the Spirit of God. Uh, I started by saying, we, started, we just laid the foundation last week. We said that, we said how to be led by the Spirit of God. God leads us through His Spirit, right? So the only way you can hear God is through your Spirit. And we also said that God is a Spirit. And anyone that must hear him, anyone that must have anything to do with God, must, be, must do it spiritually. If you must worship God, it must be done spiritually. So if you must hear from God, it has to be done spiritually. We also established the fact that man is a spirit. We talked about the, um, the nature of man being a spirit, having a soul, and then living in a body. And we also said, we, we summarized by saying, that to be led by the Spirit of God, one had to stay spirit conscious. We had to um, subject our, constantly subject our bodies to the dictates of the Spirit of God, which then fills our mind via the Word of God, renewing our mind, which is our soul. Okay. That was the foundation for it. Today I'm going to try and just establish two or three more things. Then next week, Pastor Obey will come and continue and do some more exposition and then take a lot of um, practical examples. So, the first two things, the first thing I will talk about this evening is the inward man. So, when we say the Spirit of God, Spirit of God, what does that then mean? You say, oh, your spirit. I will talk about it in a different dimension today. The, first, the way I will talk about it is the inward man. The inward wit- or the inward witness, whichever one suits you. The inward man is the actual man, right? The inward man is the actual man because man is a spirit. The inward man is your spirit. That's the actual man. So when we say the inward witness, we are saying that witness that comes from your spirit. How do you know uh, that, I have the spirit, the, uh, that I have his spirit in me or that I have his spirit or as a witness in me? Let us look at Romans 8 verse 16 where we read last week. It says, and the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are what? That we are the sons of God. A new scripture I will introduce is um, 1 John chapter 5, verse 10. I would like to read that one. I'd like to read 1 John chapter 5, verse 10. So 1 John 5, 10 says, He that believes on the Son of God has the witness in himself. He that believes not God has made him a liar because he believes not the record that God gave of his Son. So as long as you believe in God, you have that inner witness in you. That's what we wanted to establish by that scripture. As long as you believe in God, as long as you receive him, you have that inner witness in you. Okay? The witness in you is his spirit that has been put in you. We said last week that when you gave your life to Christ, the only thing that changed was your spirit. Your spirit became a new creature according to 2 Corinthians 5.17 that, uh, that says, if any man be in Christ is a new creature, all things are passed away. What became a new creature was not your body, was not your mind, but your spirit. So if your spirit has become new, 
in essence, what we are saying is that the witness, which is your inner witness, comes from your spirit. So, how do you know? When you settle down and you listen to it, you get those nudgings, you get those things that say to you, this is what you should do. That inner confidence in the things that you do. As as long as you have received Christ, that's your inner witness. I would also like to uh, refer us back to Romans 8.14 that we read last week. It says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How do we then know that we are the sons of God? Leading by the Spirit means allowing his spirit to bear witness in your spirit being led by his we know that we are the sons of god because his spirit bears witness in our spirit that we are his sons i don't know that i'm the son of god because you told me i'm the son of god i know because his spirit in me bears witness with my spirit that i am the son of god hallelujah so the problem many times is that we ignore those that inner confidence. We hear it. We know it. But we ignore it. Why do we ignore it? Because we keep taking directions based on our personal desires. So the mistake we make is allowing our body and our minds, the unrenewed mind or yet to be renewed mind, decide what our desires should be. We allow that mind, that body, that our experience and interaction with earth, decide, decide what our desires should be. We allow it to give us desires. We allow it to give us dreams and expectations. And then we then try to look for a supernatural explanation or a supernatural sign to confirm the desires that our body has given to us. But all the while, your spirit has continued to tell you what to do and what was right to do. But you refuse to listen to it because you already know what you want to do. So many times we know what we want to do as it's given to us by our mind or by our body. And then we try to look for spiritual, uh, supernatural explanations to it. Then you say, oh, I don't think I, I heard from God. But all the while you heard. Because as long as you have the regenerated spirit, you have that inner witness in you. The problem is whether you let it um, stay paramount. Whether you let him stay paramount. Hallelujah. So for every time you know that this is the right thing to do, you have that confidence in what you are in, you have that knowledge in knowing that this is what you should do. But you do not want to do it because it does not conform to your desires. That's your inner witness telling you what to do. But you are being led by your mind or your body rather than your spirit. I'll try and make a quick distinction between that and something else. The next thing I'll talk about is the in the um the, in, uh, the inward voice. What's the difference between the witness and the inward voice? That's the two distinctions I want to make. Because a lot of people say, oh, my conscience said I should do this. So that must be the Spirit of God. No. There's a distinction between the two. I would like to read Romans chapter 9, verse 1. Paul was saying in um, Romans 9, verse 1. Okay, let's just read it. Romans chapter 9 verse 1 says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. My conscience also bearing witness, bearing uh, me witness in the Holy Ghost. So what's the difference between the, the inner witness and the inward voice? The inner witness is the voice of God ministering to your spirit. The inner voice is your spirit picking up from where the, spirit, the, spirit, the voice of God has dropped it. It's your conscience, which comes from your renewed mind. You say, how do you know? 
The day you gave your life to Christ, we have said that your spirit became a new creature. For every time you did something wrong, you knew some, there was something that kept telling you that it was wrong. For every time you were about to do it, something kept telling you that it was wrong. You see, oh, my conscience said, that's your spirit tell, talking to you. But your spirit, once you are regenerated in, in Christ, your spirit can be trusted to lead because your spirit is now regenerated. Your spirit is now an extension of the spirit of God to you. Hallelujah. So, what's the difference between the inward witness and the, and the inward voice? The inward witness is the voice of the Spirit of God. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit, re-emphasizing what God has said. The inward witness is that thing that gives you peace and confidence about the direction to take. The thing that says to you, this is what to do. Your conscience is the one that pricks you. That's my layman explanation of it. But why did, I, why, did I, why did I want us to discuss these two things this evening? If we say that we are led by the Spirit of God, one of the first things you must try to do is to establish the, the difference between what is, your, what is given to you by your spirit and what is given to you by your outer desires. How do you do that? I said um, two Sundays ago when I was uh, uh, discussing that the why is more important than the what. When it comes to working with God, the why is more important than the what. We had also said that two people can take the same decision as a reaction to the same thing. Two people can have the same reaction to the same thing. But one is from God, the other one is from you. How do you know the difference? The why is what determines the difference. If it is God, it is God. If it's not God, it's not God. If the reason you are taking it is to satisfy your personal outer desires, it is not God. If the reason you are doing it is to satisfy the will of God or in accordance with the dictates of the Spirit of God, then it is God. What it means is that we can both do something that is supposed to be good and one is being led by the Spirit of God and one, the other is being led by his personal being. That's why it is possible for an unbeliever to give. And it is possible for a believer to give. One is led by the Spirit of God, the other one is led by his body and his mind. So the why that you do it is one of the quickest ways to check whether you are taking this decision based on your body or based on your spirit. Why am I doing it? Why do I come to church? Two people can come to church on Sunday, one led by God, one not led by God. Why? Why did I come to church on Sunday? If I came so that I can wear my fine dress and stand before people and have them know that I also have good clothes, then I have come because of my body. I have come to gratify my body. I have come to gratify my fleshy desires. But if I come because God wants me to fellowship with the brethren, wants me to be blessed by them, and wants them to be blessed of me as well, then I have come as a result of the leading of the Spirit of God. So the problem is that Many times you want to hear a very, very strange, a very, very emotional voice, a very emotional direction. You want something magical to emphasize that you are being led by the Spirit of God. But that's not how it works. All you need to do is kill the desires to the flesh. And then you will be able to hear clearly because it's already there. The inward man is already talking to you. The inward man is already talking to you. The inward witness is already bearing witness in your spirit. 
It's not just bearing witness to the fact that you are the son of God. It's bearing witness to the fact that every action you take is an establishment of God's will. So it is bringing forth that witness in your life. The reason it is difficult to then listen to it is because you have been consumed by your fleshy desires. You have been consumed by your personal wants and and needs. Hallelujah. So many times, we say we want to hear from God. We say we want to hear. I want to hear from him. I want to hear from him. But you don't want to hear because you are actually hearing. The problem is that sometimes what you are hearing does not tally with what makes you what you are hearing does not tally with what makes you feel good. What you are hearing does not tally with what your body wants to hear. So you then start to search for more. You, want to, you are trying to search for a more magical explanation to the voice that you are hearing. But it's already there. It's been there since. Hallelujah. It's been there since. It's been there since. It just doesn't conform to what you want to hear because you still let your desires lead you. Two things, and I know I mentioned this before in church. Jesus did not die to make you rich. So that we, Jesus didn't die so that you will have money. Any, any teaching of the gospel that says the reason that Jesus died is for you to have money is a lie. Jesus did not die for you to have money. Money is a concept that was made by man. It's not a concept. It's, it's man-made. Jesus didn't die so that you, can, you should have money. That you have money is one of the things that you should do. And the money is not what you need. The things that you need to use it for are the things that you need. It's just a means to an end. So if the reason that you are doing this is just so you can have money, it therefore follows that it's not God. I hope my examples are, begin, are making a bit of sense this evening. The why is more important than the what. The why are you doing it? You say, oh, God wants me to make money. No. God does not want you to make money. God wants you to establish his will. So if you are making money, why are you making money? Oh, God wants me to go to school. No. Why does God want me to go to school? Your going to school does not make sense to God except it helps to establish his will. So if the reason you want to go to school is so you can have a BSc when everybody says they have a BSc, or so you can have an MSc, or so you can have a PhD when everybody says they do, that's your fleshy desire. Why am I going? That's the spirit of God. The real why am I going is the spirit of God. The real why, what do I want to then achieve with it? What makes God happy? What does God want of me? What does God want of me? So if you check your, if you, if you are checking, if you are thinking through in your mind as I'm talking, you will begin to discover that a lot of the goals that you have set for yourself, even though they might seem good, but they are out of your fleshy desires. That's the reason you struggle to hear from God. Because the why that you want to do most of the things you want to do is the why that satisfies your human understanding. The why that satisfies your body. I want to gain promotion so I can buy a good car. I want to gain promotion so I can buy a house in Banana Island. Is that what God wants you to do? To buy a house in Banana Island? Just buy a house in Banana Island. 
How does that make God? You're having money, you're not having money, does not make God bigger or smaller. So, how did Jesus die for you to just have money? So, it has to be more, it has to be more God than just this. It has to be more God. And the more you search for that inner desire, the more you search for that inner why, the more you find your, vo- your, your mind or your spirit being opened to the spirit of God. Because that's a desire that your body can't give you. That's a desire that your flesh can't give you. I've made an example before. I said everything about what we do is God. I usually say it when I'm treating a particular topic on giving. I will not mention that topic this night. But I've said that there's no, there's no yastic for measuring giving in God. There's no percentage in giving. I don't believe in people who come to tell me that God wants me to give him 20,000 naira. That's a lie. God doesn't want me to give him 20,000 naira. You know why? Because everything I am is God. When I wake up in the morning, it's God. When I brush my teeth, I brush because God wants me to brush. Why? He wants my gums to be clean. He wants my body healthy so that he can continue to per- perpetuate his will on earth through me. I need my body to be healthy enough for God to use on earth. So everything about me is done for God. Until you get to that point, you are going to keep struggling to hear from God because you are going to keep putting your human desires as a yastic for why you are doing what you are doing. And that way you cannot hear from the Spirit. Even when he's talking, you find it difficult to listen because it will not make sense to your understanding. Because your personal desires are in front of the reasons why you want to do it. You say, well, you say we should not have a house in Banana By all means, do. Have you say we should not have a, have a private jet? In fact, I have a Boeing 737. However, why do I want to do it? How does this make sense to the kingdom of God? How does this make sense to the will of God? When you search for that, you find the voice of God. Because it's already in you. It's already bearing witness in you. But the problem is that you don't search for it. Rather, you search for the things that make you happy. You say, oh, God wants me to be happy. Yes, God wants you to be happy, but he doesn't want you to be happy because everything is working out fine. He wants you to be happy because you know that you have him. So whether everything is working out fine or not working out fine, I am happy. That's what God wants from you. God did not make you for a smooth weather. God made no man for a smooth weather. Rather, he made a perfect you to be perfect in spite of any weather. He didn't make you for a smooth weather. In fact, sometimes the Spirit of God can lead you into temptation. He can lead you into places, into, into horrible places. You say, one of the scriptures I would have loved to read is when Jesus was being tempted. The Bible says, and Jesus was led of the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus the Christ, the personality of God, was led by that Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Spirit of God. So the fact that he makes you happy does not mean it is the spirit of God. That it is the spirit of God is what should make you happy. The reason you don't yet hear is because you still allow your fleshy desires be cloud your wise. Your fleshy desires still stay in front of your wise. The reason I want to do this is so that I, that's your flesh talking. And that's why you struggle to hear from God. If you learn to find the God 
the God why in every decision you make. Find the God why in everything that you do. You'll find it easier to hear from God. You'll find it easier to understand the voice of God. You'll find it easier to understand the inward man. So by the time your conscience is telling you things, it's already making sense to you. Is it good that you go to get a new job? Yes. But why am I getting a new job? So I, want, I need more money. Why do I need more money? You say I need more money so I can buy a, very, a bigger car. So that my neighbors will not be looking at me like a poor man again. Really. That's all. Then you start, to, you, start to, you start to now look for confirmation that you need to buy a new car. When pastor now talks on Sunday, he says, somebody's getting a new car. You say, that's the voice of God talking to me. That's not the voice of God talking to you. That's your flesh talking to you. Because you're buying a new car or not buying a new car does not glorify God except you know what God wants you to do with it. The concept of car is to move from one point to another, right? And then in the luxury that you move, sometimes in the perception. But those things have to be relevant to God. So until I learn to look for those things, to look for God in those things, in the deeper things of it, I will keep struggling to hear from the Spirit of God because I keep measuring myself by the interfacing of my body with the things of the world. So I measure myself by how well my body feels in my interactions with earth. I measure myself by how well they treat me in my family when I come home for for Christmas. Uh, When I enter the village for Christmas, everybody knows that I'm a child of God. Why? Because I drove a big car. So it must be God's desire so I can buy a car. No. Hallelujah. Remember, at the, time, at the time Paul was writing some of these scriptures, he was in jail. Man was in jail and telling people that he was being led by the Spirit of God. His conscience was okay. And he was in jail. Hallelujah. So we've talked about the inward witness. We've talked about the inward voice. I want to talk about something else before, uh, before we go. There's a scripture I want to read. I had said that the, um, the still small voice you hear when you, that pricks you, that says to you, you know that thing is wrong. That's your conscience. Picking up from where the Spirit of God has, has left, left it off. So there's something else I would like to talk about. Let me just be sure that. Okay. So for the conscience, before I finish, I would say, before I leave that uh, discussion, a non-believer, somebody who hasn't received Christ, has a conscience too. So the difference is, how do I know to trust my conscience? The difference in how do I know to trust my conscience? If your conscience, we say, is the voice of your spirit, right? Then what leads your, what is your spirit? What leads your spirit? If your spirit is regenerated, then you can trust it. You can trust the voice of that spirit. So the conscience of a believer cannot lead a believer to do wrong. You say, oh, but my conscience wants me to do wrong. You are not yet a believer. I have said this and I will say it again. 80% of the Christians in Nigeria, I know Nigeria, have not found Christ. What we have found is church. We have found church. We have found our denomination. We have found our pastor. We know how to behave in church. We know what we should do when we come to church. We know how church people should dress. 
but we have not really found the most important thing, which is Christ. The day we learn to find Christ, your conscience becomes a direct express of a direct express representation of the Spirit of God. Why? Because you become a new creature. The reason you are still some people, not all, the reason some people are still struggling is but they are not yet a new creature. A believer, let, let, me, let, me, let me talk about believing in Jesus so that you understand why I say that a couple of people have still not received Christ. Receiving Christ is not standing in front of the altar like we have been made to know. It's the, it's the easiest way to explain it. But it's not all about standing in front and saying, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I open my heart to receive you. Amen. Receiving Jesus is not about reciting the sinner's prayer. Receiving Jesus is about deciding to allow him lead you, to allow him be your Lord and Savior. That decision is the actual reception that you receive him. It is not just standing and just talking. It's not just reciting. It's not incantation. It is a commitment to allowing him lead you, to allowing him come into you and give you a new life. That's the actual salvation. That's the actual uh, um, believing in Christ. When the Bible says in John chapter 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, he didn't just mean whosoever recites. Then we go, go to the scripture that says uh, with, the, with the heart one believes, with the mouth confession is made. With the heart one believes. The confession must be a function of the heart. And you must constantly believe. And constantly live out that belief. So the reason I said a lot of people have not found Christ is that some people have confessed in church. They have done what they told them to do to be saved. They come to church on Sunday. They have recited the prayer. They come to church on Sunday. They've been coming for 30 years. They've been coming for 40 years. They've been coming for 20 years. But you see, they still don't have an experience. All they do is come, hear what pastor says to do, and go and do it. So it is going to be difficult for you at, at, at that level to stay led by the Spirit of God. Why? Because you are still not a new creature. The new creature is the one who has accepted the leadership of Christ, the one who has accepted the lordship of Christ and strives daily to be sure that I am led by this person. That's the new creature. That's what Jesus meant when he was telling Nicodemus that you have to be born again. You have to receive that new creature by subjecting your spirit to the Spirit of God and saying, Father, take my spirit and give me yours. My heart must desire Christ. I must seek him to receive him. I must believe in him. And I must daily believe. Hallelujah. So that's when you re- that's actually when you I, I, I feel that it was it is next it was necessary to go back, to go back and discuss this. Because a lot of people just say, Oh, these people have been in church for 40 years. Uh, and it's possible to be in church for 40 years and not be saved. It's very possible. Because salvation, Christianity is not a ritual. It's not something you just do continue. It's not something you just come and say it's like this and like this, like this. We are no longer in the Old Testament where there are rules and regulations that we must follow. The Christianity that we received in Africa, in Nigeria especially, was first brought to, brought to us like the law. It was brought as rules and regulations because that was the easiest way it could be explained. But the essence of it is not rules and regulations. The essence of it is a relationship. Relationship is not in ritual. Relationship is in personality exchange. It's in Allowing something have influence on you. That's when you receive Jesus Christ. That's when your spirit becomes regenerated. And when that happens to you, as long as you make sure your desires are not of the flesh, listen to that inner man. You are hearing him already. 
The problem is what is paramount in your life. What is making you make your decisions? So we are back to where we left off before I went into... I'm trying to find out how many minutes I have left. I always have a problem with this, with this clock. Okay, so the last things I will talk about, the last thing I will talk about. Let's look at Acts chapter... Okay, first of all, let's look at John chapter 4 verse 5. That's the last thing I want to talk about before I go. John chapter 4. John chapter 1 verse 4. I will try. Okay, so John 1 verse 4. It says, I will read verse 4 and 5. It says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Last week we read Proverbs, where it says, I think Proverbs chapter 20, where it says that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching, searching the innermost parts of the belly. And um, we said the spirit of man is God's light. And here the scripture, uh, um, John, uh, John is saying, John chapter 1 is saying, that in him was life, and the life was our light. Right? It was the light of men. And that same light shone in darkness, and darkness could not comprehend it. The essence of your being is the life of God. Why am I discussing this? I want to, I want to take that spirit of God that we have received, I will try to listen to into eternal life. So that I can give us a bit of a perspective on how we do it daily. There is this misconception that God will give you eternal life. That God is, a, God is going to give you as a believer. God is going to give you eternal life. Some people believe that when you die, then you will resurrect and God will give you eternal life. No, eternal life is something you have already received. It is what you receive the day you receive Jesus Christ. What is eternal life? Eternal life is the life of God. It's the essence of God. The personality of God. It is what you have already received. Why is this necessary to discuss? If I have received the life of God, which is now his light shining in, in my innermost part, it means that I have received the ability to live out the essence of God. I have it all. I have the ability to live out the essence of God. Scripture says he has given unto us all that pertains to life and godliness. I have the ability to live out. I'm not about to start to try to hear the voice of God. I already received it. I already, he's already talking to me. The problem is whether I am following so he has given you everything. You have his life in you already. You have the eternal life. What you are going to do is transit from this world to another existence. The life is already there. The life that does not get perished like sin. That's the life you already have. The difference is that you still have this body which can interface with this earth. And so the day you die, you do not, you do not die into oblivion. You die into a different existence. Hallelujah. So, why do we receive that eternal why do, why do Why did we say, oh, we, receive, we have the eternal life? There's a scripture I want to read in, in, in um, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. It was um, Peter addressing the people who are gathered on the day of Pentecost, when the, people, when the uh, apostles had come out and they were speaking in, in diverse kinds of tongues. And Peter said, this is what was written by Joel, that in the... In, in, in the 
in, in those days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I will do what? Pour out my spirit upon all flesh. This is the spirit of, the spirit of God that is poured out on you. It's available to you already. It is his personality. He will pour out of himself upon you. Why is he pouring out of himself upon you? The last scripture I will read, Romans chapter 8 verse 19, says the earnest expectation of, crea- of the creation waits or awaits the manifestations of the sons of God. Who are the sons of God? Those who are led by the spirit of God. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The creation that is your, the earth that you call your earth, is awaiting your manifestation as a son of God, not your wisdom. What earth waits for from you is not your wisdom, it's not your smart actions, it's not your intelligent desires, it's not your college degrees. Neither is it your years of experience. What he waits for is the manifestation of sonship in you. So, if what you strive to do is to live a wonderful life by being like me, I'm going to school and trying to keep going and then have a good job, go and look for a good job somewhere or have a good business and make money and that is your success. You are being led by your flesh. To be led by the Spirit of God, you must constantly ask yourself, why am I doing this? What does God want from me in this? How does this satisfy the will of God? How does this satisfy God? How do you know the will of God? You must sit in his scriptures. You cannot not know the word of God. The Bible says, Him and his word are one. According to the Bible, Him and his word are one. He is his word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and without him was nothing made that was made. The word is an expression of God. So you cannot, you cannot know God except you dwell with his word. We talked last week and said that the salvation of, his, of the soul is in the renewal of the, of the mind by the word. So two things we have said towards the end of this thing. The first, which is the last thing I just said, is that if you must be led by the Spirit of God, you must free yourself of God's word. The one before that is that what creation wants from you is not your intelligent behavior. What it wants from you is the expression of sonship. One before that is that the Spirit of God is already in you, the life of God is already in you. You already have Him talking to you. You must constantly subject your flesh to that Spirit by questioning the desires that you have to be sure that they are the desires of God. Hallelujah! Thank you very much. The Lord God bless you, be with you, make His face shine upon you. May his presence continuously go before you and go with you and go behind you. May you hear that still voice saying to you, this is the way of the Lord walking it. And may you not depart from the guidance of that voice in the name of Jesus Christ. Continue to dwell in the presence of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the CGMI Living Springs Godful Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at CJMI underscore L Springs.